Psalm 15. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary, who may live on your holy hill, he who walks in blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without urasy and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Amen. Thank you, Robbie. We'll send you the bill. Hopefully one of these days. Do you know how it is when you get um, a new car and um, you look around and you see all these same cars? You think, I've never seen them all before. And uh, I've had the, the different perspectives through uh, this morning's worship time of seeing what I'm going to bring and seeing it pop up at different times. And uh, it has popped up at quite a few times. And it is the subject of righteousness. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. When Jesus saw the crowds, he didn't panic. He didn't have a breakdown. He did something very sensible, very forward-thinking. He went up the mountainside, and then his disciples came to him and he taught them so that they could go out and teach everyone else. And what he did was he started with the beautiful attitudes of uh, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Verse 6. Matthew 5 verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're going to look at uh, a few um, aspects of the subject of righteousness this morning. But our aim in it all is to have an assurance of our acceptance in God where God requires righteousness. We'll have a look at that. And to be motivated to use that, to live a righteous life. So it applies to every one of us, whatever situation we're in. And we'll look at that over the next 45 minutes or an hour. No, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I'm, I understand the, the routine. Let's look at the first aspect, which is that of imputed righteousness. Now, imputed is not a word we come across a great deal, except three down. Oh, what's that word? Um, but um, imputed means to be given to us without us having to pay any price. It's a, a financial term where something is brought onto the balance sheet that is there by virtue of something else. And so a value is attributed to the balance sheet. Well now for our own lives a very considerable value has been added to our balance sheet. 
our balance sheet was on zero. And we've been given a tremendous gift. Now, we're going to do something that you're perhaps not that familiar with. And that is to look at a particular verse. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Don't worry, it'll come up on the screen. Keith is uh, wonderful at these things. Thank you, Keith. And we're going to spend two minutes just looking at that and thinking, what does that mean for me? Now, I'm going to ask you to feed back to me what you thought from that, that little passage. Try and keep it brief, less than seven minutes. Just one, one sentence. Yes, I, I see that hand. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to you in a sec. Thank you. Beautiful. Yes. A swap. Ah, yes, okay. I'm just trying to click into your accent there. That's great. <laughs> now, I'm with you. Yes, uh, I'm sure you are. Thank you very much. Yes, a swap, a transfer. Yeah, beautiful. Lovely picture. Offering. 
Yeah. Lovely. Thank you very much for sharing that. That's gorgeous. Well, now, what we've been doing is biblical meditation. And it, in Psalm 1, it says that uh, uh, the person who meditates on the word of the Lord will be like a tree planted by streams of water. Great blessing. So if you haven't done that before, you notice how short the time was and how much God spoke to you. Can I encourage you? That's a good thing to be doing. But we digress. The, the main thing that we're looking at is the fact that when Jesus died on the cross, a transaction was done. A transaction where our litter by the side of the road, our dirt, our own inadequacy, our own zero righteousness was transferred to him on the cross. Now, he went through the pain and suffering of the cross because of our sin. And then he transferred to us his righteousness. That transaction was done 2,000 years ago became effective for us the moment we received it. Now, there's no way you can start in your relationship with God until you receive that gift that God has done, given for you. It's rather like the game of Ludo. You can be frustratingly throwing ones, twos, threes, fours, or fives, and you can't go anywhere. Then you throw a six, and gloriously, you're able to start moving around the board. Throwing a six in the kingdom of God is receiving the gift that God has given to us. Saying, Lord, I haven't got a righteousness of my own, I know I'm inadequate, but I trust that what Jesus did on the cross is effective for me, and I receive it. Now, maybe you've never really done that. You've never come to that point. And today could be the day to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me, in my place, so that I could be free and have your righteousness. Father, I pray for any who are at that point that you would bring them right through to a relationship with you where they would find your imputed righteousness in their own lives, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when I was uh, a student at university, I got involved when I got saved there 
I got involved with um, a group called Campus Crusade for Christ, and they produced a booklet called The Four Spiritual Laws. Now, anybody come across that one in your past? Yes, thank you. I see that hand again. Well done. Um, and um, the, the four spiritual laws were these. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Man has sinned and is separated from God. Jesus died in the, on the cross in order to bring us to him. And the fourth one is we can receive that as we individually uh, accept him as Savior and Lord. Now, the starting point is God loves us. And it, he's got a wonderful plan. And it, it applies to every one of us. But the second one is our sins have separated us from God. The way we've behaved, the things we've done, can't allow us to come close to a, a righteous God. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, Our sins have separated us from God. And that just clarifies the issue. We are separated from God. We need his righteousness. We need it as a gift because we've got no way of buying it. We've got no way of purchasing that freedom. And as it were, that is the starting point that we've got to go through in order to receive everything else. Now, I'm a member of the uh, uh, Romsey Men's Shed, which is a collection of old blokes getting together to use the workshop and, and uh, helping one another not to be isolated. So I can go into the workshop and I can use things and... and as Emma was encouraging us earlier on, did some wood turning the other day. First time I've done it for 50 years. And um, uh, I can do that because I'm a member. And there's only one way to be a member of the kingdom of God and to come into all the benefits. And that is through receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord. There's no other way. But having done that, that then opens up to us all the benefits of the kingdom. Now, as we look through uh, the scriptures, we find in Leviticus, we've got lots of um, procedures for covering sin. And, and a spotless lamb is brought and then slaughtered and the blood here and... Oh, all the rest of it. But all that did in the Old Testament times was to cover sin. The sin was still there. It need to, needed to be paid for. So the fact that, that Jesus died after Leviticus had been written doesn't mean that his death was not effective for them. It was effective because it's effective for all time, for all people. And by uh, believing what God said and doing what God said, those people came into the blessings that were intended for them. We have moved from being sinners to saints, not by our own expertise, or our own ability, or anything we've done, but by the blood of Jesus, 
given as a free gift. That is imputed righteousness. It's, it's a bit like um, I was passing a, a private school um, in Romsey the other day. Um, all frost over the grass and all these big stars going in and out with their little kiddies. And I thought there's no way that a, uh, a child of a family that was, had, had no money could go to such a school. But there are bursaries. And so various children are there because they've been paid for. They couldn't afford it. There's no way they could go there. They might have a great desire to, but the only way they can go is through the bursary. There's only one way we can come into that fullness of relationship that God has for us, and that is through his gift for us. Now, it is at this point that Satan's temptation to us is to think, all good. It's all been done for us. We've got the righteousness of God. I can do what I like. Is it not? Is that not Satan's temptation to us? But that is to twist what God said in his word. And we're going to just take a little look at Ephesians 2 and verses 8 to 10. If you've got your Bibles, this is a great one to look up. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So that's the first bit we've, we've covered the imputed righteousness, we've received that, but then it goes on to this verse. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to sit around and do nothing. No, it doesn't say that. It says to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's an exciting thing. To come into a place where we can please God because he's given us the ability to do that through his righteousness, given to us as a gift. And then we can get involved in doing the works that he's already worked out for us to do. He knows exactly what he wants you to do. He knows exactly what he wants you to do. He knows exactly what he wants you to do. We can seek him for those things. We can live in the joy of the kingdom of God. Just flip back to chapter 1, verse 10. This is one of my favourite verses in all of the scriptures. And it's this. The plan and the will of God is this, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. God's overall plan, his big picture, is this, to bring everything in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. So, now the 
the second part we're talking about here is living a righteous life. We talked about imputed righteousness, living a righteous life. This fits into his plan perfectly. As we live a righteous life, so we are bringing all the things that we're touching on earth under the headship of Christ. Lord, you are Lord over everything for my life. Can we say that? Now that is beginning to bring in the will of God on earth. Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can start to live and enjoy that righteous life. That's what God wants for us. Well, you say, what does that really mean in practice for my life? Well, how about starting with Micah 6, verse 8? He's shown you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? That's the, uh, my son is involved in the church in Gillingham, just down the road here. And uh, all year they've got that as their motto and they're preaching on it and such like. That's a great one. Meditate on that one. Another verse to take away and think, yes, Micah 6, verse 8. What does the Lord require of me in my circumstances, down my road, with my friends, my family? And we were reading Psalm 15 earlier on, weren't we? Um, You'll probably just need to tell him what usury is because that didn't quite come out there. They, um, yeah, my son is involved in banking in, um, in HSBC in Jersey, so I'm quite familiar with what usury is. A- anyway, that's by the by. Um, but do you remember that we were talking about this uh, at the Psalm 15? Who can come into God's holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. <gasps> can only get that from God. No way we can do that without him. And so we come into his presence in order to worship him. That's our first requirement. And to live a righteous life and to do the things that he wants us to do. It all fits together, do you see? Well, you say, that's, that's all very well, but quite frankly, I find it really difficult to live a righteous life. Well, God anticipated that one. And so, in Romans 8, we find some clues. And perhaps, this is, I'll try not to do what I did earlier on. Um, Perhaps this is something that we can look at in greater detail, because it's a wonderful passage. We haven't got time now to look at all of it, but I'm just going to look at Romans 8, verses 8 to 10. And we'll see here the clue, the trick, about how to live a righteous life. It's it's not difficult. It's a simple principle. It's this. 
those controlled by the sinful nature or flesh cannot please God. Right, so we can see what the negative is. What's the positive? You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature or the flesh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he hasn't started this relationship. He hasn't received the imputed righteousness. Because we get that on, uh, as we receive the Holy Spirit. The same thing. But, if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Let's just unpack that a little bit. God has given to us his Holy Spirit. And as Jesus said in, in John's Gospel, I will give to you one just like me to be with you. God has given us the Holy Spirit to be just like Jesus with us. To help us, to encourage us, empower us to do what we could not do otherwise. By saying to God each day, Lord, I'm in, I know I'm inadequate to be able to please you by my own efforts, but I thank you for your Holy Spirit and I'm trusting you today to work through me. How about that? And then, the power of the Holy Spirit working through us can do things that otherwise couldn't be done. I was reading a lovely um, posting on Facebook this morning from uh, one of my customers. I used to be a carpenter before I retired. And one of the customers I had had posted about the way in which the Holy Spirit had spoken to her about giving some flowers to somebody who looked rather down in a, in a um, supermarket car park. Now, that's not impossible for any of us to do something of that sort. Just God had said it, she did it, and she believed God for the, uh, the effect on that person. But simple things that God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit. It's like so exciting when we're moving in the Holy Spirit and finding what God is showing us to do. We're becoming more sensitive day by day to hear what he's saying, do those things, and bring glory and honor to his name. I believe that God will do that as we ask him to. Let's wrap it up now, shall we? We have been adopted as the children of God because of the imputed righteousness of God given to us if we believe. If you don't believe, today is the day to say, Lord, I believe and I want to go your way. we need to daily express our thanks and continually thank God for what he's given us, the righteousness he's given us by his Holy Spirit.
and then ask his Holy Spirit to fill us and enable us to live a righteous, godly life and to do the work that God has planned for us already. Are we okay with this? Are we okay with this? Yes. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the righteousness that you've given to us that we couldn't deserve and we couldn't earn and we couldn't get in any other way, but you've given to us through the precious sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord. We receive and we thank you for your gift of righteousness to us. We thank you, Lord, that you've seen our own inadequacy and given us what we need by your Holy Spirit. Pray now that you come upon each one of us, empower us to be your people, to live each day this week. Well, starting with today, Lord, that you show us what you're doing and you, you, you move us along with you by the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that you've already planned for us to do. We thank you, Lord, that we're part of your big plan, that you want us to be there. You've adopted us as your children so that we can be part of your big plan. Lord, anoint us, encourage us, bless us as we seek to do your will and bring in your kingdom. For the glory of Jesus' name. Amen.